0: Welcome to the Rob Seco Field Ready Podcast with your host Jim Robinson.
1: Hello and welcome back to the Rob Seco Field Ready Podcast. I'm your host Jim Robinson. The USDA is going to be releasing their final production report here in January, and so what we wanted to do is bring back Bob Linneman with Kleist Commodities to talk a little bit about the report. Welcome back, Bob.
0: Hi Jim, how you doing, sir? Doing it's very good well. Good to be back.
1: Thank you so much for joining us again on such short notice.
0: Yeah, no problem.
1: Hey, So can you tell us a little bit about this final production report that the USDA is going to be releasing on January 12th?
0: Yeah, there's uh, so uh, throughout the year, there are three big reports uh, as far as in the grain markets. Usually, every year you kind of count on three of them. This is one of them the January final production report, the March planning intentions report, and then the June planted acreage report are the three big ones, as we say, throughout the year. So, uh, this one, historically, uh, fireworks are usually blasting within seconds of this <laughs> report coming out, whether it's up or down, Jim. So, it's That's- in the last few years, honestly, it's probably been the most. Uh, you know, calm and and reserve as far as reaction in the markets, uh, just because we really haven't had, you know, much of a change expecting going into this report. Um, Now this year uh, is going to be
1: different. What are they reporting in this report first before we get in uh, where this year comes in?
0: Yeah, so in this report, they are going to update us on final acreage Uh for both corn and soybeans. They're going to update us on uh, not only planted acreage, but harvested acres. Then they will update us with final uh, yield, which will then translate to final production. Uh And then we should see, as we just work down the balance sheet, we should see adjustments to usage um, as well as, you know, so once they adjust the production, then they'll adjust the usage. And which will take us to the bottom line, you know, that stocks to use ratio and and or the carryout for the year. So those are in, in that number. And then you switch over and you look at the WASDI information, which mm-hmm. is re- released at the same time for the world uh, supply and demand. A um, lot of guys are expecting, a lot of traders are, are expecting to see South America's numbers uh, decline again. We saw that in um, in December, which is normally a quiet report. And it was a, a small adjustment, granted. But the trend, we've talked about this before, Jim, that the traders mm-hmm. want to see the trend and they follow the trend. And right now the trend is for a declining production in South America. So it just yeah. kind of is a, as of right now, things are leaning to the bullish camp.
1: Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I mean, a decreased production in South America. And if there is a decrease in production in this uh, crop report coming out, you know, what could that possibly do to the markets?
0: That's a great question. I mean, you can see in the last, uh, pull up any, any daily chart on uh, any website, and you can kind of see what the market has done based on all of these expectations of a declining South American crop, of, of a tightening supplies in the United States, uh russia came out with their um uh, adjustments to exports for their wheat crop and mm-hmm. and that kind of gave life to the wheat market in the u.s here on the kansas city and chicago board side of things so it's just been uh, every news story that has come out it seems like is is aiding the bulls now <laughs> i would say that the bulls were due those news stories it's been <laughs> a long time since we've been able to have that much bullish information hit the market kind of on a consistent basis. So we went through, you know, a few years, it felt like where we, it just was, we couldn't scratch, scratch and get anything for a bullish story. And now it seems like the overwhelming amount of headlines are, are favoring those bulls. But, um, you know, as to answer your question, what could happen in the markets, uh, mm-hmm. it'd have to be a pretty big cut in production on, on the overall total to South America, Jim, to really see those numbers um, impact prices. I, I think most everyone is expecting another smaller trim in, in total production, but they still are going to produce a big crop. Right. There's no there's no second guessing that the, they just the number of acres that they continue to increase every year. They're going to continue to produce bigger and bigger crops just uh, by the nature of it without a major disaster. So everyone, I think, is focusing on more. Uh, uh, what happens in the United States? Where mm-hmm. do we end up with the United States and really the supply and demand? How do you adjust uh, production and then adjust usage and look at the bottom line of, of those balance sheets, Jim? it's going to come down to, especially in soybeans, where where is our carryout? Do we Mm -hmm. maintain a triple digit carryout? Are we going to be over or under a hundred million bushel carryout? And Mm -hmm. that, that is a huge question right now. And I think overwhelmingly traders are more interested in that than what they are in any possibility of what a bullish corn number could look like. It just, uh, you've seen soybeans rally here recently and here we're, record this, but the bounce has been, you know, 50, 60 cents and, and you see yep. corn move a nickel, you know, those types of things, Jim, it's hard to see corn just be so slow um, when beans are being moving so quickly. So that's, that's a tough one to look at,
1: but. Absolutely. Yeah. The soybean market's moving a lot more than the corn market. And a lot of that's driven by, as we talked before, increased demand over, over what initial expectations were, or at least what they were, you know, early on in the summer or last spring. So, this report coming out, you know, the uh, what do you expect it to show for the U.S. Do you do you think it's going to be an increase in carryout, a decrease in carryout? Do do you have any hints on what that might be?
0: Yeah, it's a great question. Um, honestly, the the trade is looking for production to probably decline a little bit based on surveys. We've seen a lot of uh, private analytical firms kick out their customer based surveys. And I think the trade is expecting some type of decline there. So uh, when we factor that in, into the idea of, especially in soybeans, where the USA hasn't really adjusted exports. And we talked uh, briefly last time about how the export uh game and in the, in the big demand for soybeans is what's kind of driving this price hike and this price rally and now if we come in and we see the usda trim back production a little bit more mm-hmm. and make some type of bullish adjustment to to exports which traders are expecting um and that's they're kind of ramped up prices into that 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 does question you know the idea of can we maintain 100 million bushel carryout, Jim? And can stocks to use ratio stay above 3%? And there's a lot of question marks out there, Jim, that a lot of traders are expecting this thing to get really tight. And, you know, mm-hmm. similar years, like we talked last time as well, 2013-14 and 14-15 in those years, uh, 13-14 for sure, we had to import soybeans. Mm-hmm. We literally, the U.S. had to import soybeans that year. And uh, a lot of folks are expecting that this may be another year that we have to import soybeans to get us through the summer. So if that if that unfolds, Jim, the, this, the, the fireworks, like I said before, it could get interesting.
1: <laughs> Absolutely. So there could be an awful lot of movements so one way or another because a lot of people have already, you know, have estimates on what could happen, likely a decrease in production in soybeans, you know, potentially less than 100 million uh, bushels in uh, carryout in soybeans. So what should a farmer do in order to best protect his current position, but at the same time not give up anything going forward uh for any grain he may have stored
0: yeah that's a great question and i think a lot of folks are are probably feeling pretty good about their decision to put whatever they could in the bin you know Mm -hmm. and and that has paid off uh you're not really making much in the carry in the market but when the market rallies like it has you're not really concerned about the carry you're not Mm -hmm. that's our, our normal way of of making those bins pay for themselves This year, not so concerned about that. They're just the price hike has helped that. So, what can you do even for soybeans and corn, whatever you have that is unpriced? um, You know, even though we may be bullish going into this gym. At these levels, you really should have some type of price protection in place a- ahead of that report. It, um, it, There are ways, either give us a call, uh, Clay's Commodities here, I'll give you my number at the end, get, get in touch with your broker. Uh, there are inexpensive, more inexpensive ways, short-term ways to buy puts that you don't have to go out to July, you don't have to go out to November and, and pay a lot in time value. You can buy something that's going to get you through the report give you a few days or maybe a few weeks after that report comes out and protect from price going lower. Even though you might be bullish, even though everyone is looking for that bullish report, having something in place as a safety net, Jim, at these levels, is it, it's the right thing to do. You mm-hmm. And you just look at it as an insurance policy saying, man, I hope I buy this thing and I don't have to use it. And, and really, that is the safest route to play this. We've seen this time and time again where everyone's bullish or bearish going into a report. The report comes out. It is a bullish or bearish report, and the market goes the opposite way by the mm-hmm. end of the day. And everyone's left scratching your head going, what's going on? And then you think to yourself, oh, it'll come back tomorrow. It doesn't come back the next day. And then the next day, it still doesn't come back. So don't get caught in that when there are opportunities, especially at these levels, you can afford to pay that dime or 15 cents or whatever it ends up costing to protect what you have that's unsold, what's in the bins, um, especially at these levels, Jim.
1: Exactly. And as we record this, record this episode shortly before Christmas, you know, a lot of these prices are, are really profitable prices on a per bushel basis. And so protecting that profitability is really, really important.
0: I agree. Yep. 100%.
1: Yeah. So, you know, if, it may cost 15 cents a bushel to protect your your floor, but uh, you know, how, how might one take advantage of the upside then going forward? Let's say the, the report does come back and we see a major swing upwards in prices.
0: Yeah, another great question. Let's say that you uh, uh, have already sold most of your grain or you're selling into this rally ahead of the report, uh, which is a, a great idea marketing-wise. It's, it's profitable, like you said, Jim. Um, there are ways to be long the market, to, to buy calls, You know, do things that you can retain ownership of those bushels you've sold. Um, for ways that you can still sleep at night, you know, buying those call options, knowing what your premium cost and what your risk is, mm-hmm. and then you can just sit on it. Now, granted, at these levels, these options are more expensive. If you start reaching out there, I was uh, looking at a few things for customers today, and we quoted some July at-the-money calls that were 80 cents, which is, you might look at that and say, oh, my gosh, I'm not spending that. Mm-hmm. Well, and, and, you know, I don't want to dissuade anyone from being in the market and partaking, But at the same point, you have to manage that position, whatever position you put in place, when you are are using puts or calls or any type of marketing strategy, you have to manage it. And uh, if you get in and you buy that 80 cent option and and you're wrong and the market goes below a certain line in the sand that you draw, if it falls below that price, you just get out Mm -hmm. and you you conserve that capital and you manage your your risk that way. You don't just uh, put it on and and uh, walk away from it, Jim. Those are things that uh, I try really hard to work with my customers on and have those conversations before you even place a trade. You mm-hmm. know, what are your goals with this trade? What are you wanting to do? And if, it, if you're right, when do you want to get out? You know, kind of walk through that, that uh, scenario both up and down, Jim. It's the, it's, a, it's the best way to attack that situation.
1: Yeah. I mean, there are so many different positions that, that farmers are in today. Either, you know, they've, they've, already sold most of their grain on the market, or they have some unsold grain in the bin, you know, for, for those guys in general that they're looking to, you know, make sure that they have a profitable year, but potentially, you know, capture a little bit more than that, you know, they can definitely participate in the market this way, but at the same time, they have to know their price. I mean, how, sh- how soon should people be looking into making these moves prior to the report coming out?
0: Yeah, those are always hard questions to answer, Jim. The timing of these reports, you can study the these January reports, any of the monthly reports going back 30 years, and you might think you have found something as far as a, a tendency or a seasonality, and then that next report, you're dead wrong. So mm-hmm. it, it's tough to do that. I, I would say look at your bottom line, look at the current prices where they are, your production, look at, like you said, look at the profitability of your farm, mm-hmm. and then decide you know, do you need to be a part of it? Do you want to be a part of it? How much do you want to commit? And and from there, um, I would I wouldn't wait too long, to be honest. I, I think if you're first couple of days of January here and, and still sitting in that boat, um, I would probably move a little bit quicker and I wouldn't want to wait till the day up. You mm-hmm. might you might miss a little bit on the top, you might miss you might get real close to the top and the market fall down. Um, that's all fine. You just, you're, you're taking part in a bigger move is what Mm -hmm. you're looking at. You're not trying to nail the top within a nickel. You're just trying to play, play in the game as far as when it really starts to make its next leg higher. That's what you're after.
1: Exactly. Exactly. Now to shift a little bit, you know, as, as we're looking at, you know, we've been talking about, you know, unsold grain or grain that's currently in the bin, but looking into 2021's crop, how are you advising a lot of your customers right now on what they're considering? I mean, you, you said it yourself that there are bigger price swings in soybeans right now than uh, there is in corn. So it, what's your discussion with your customers going like?
0: Yeah, so actually having a lot of those conversations, Jim, so this is a good point. Um, you know, 10 I, on, uh, on Monday or Tuesday, I had a handful of guys sell some cash beans off the combine for $10 um, mm-hmm. to their local elevator, just a semi loader too, just a couple thousand bushels. But that's where we're starting. And that's a great place to start. Mm-hmm. Um, absolutely nothing wrong with that. Uh, we turned around and we bought some, some, uh, mini contracts in the July futures to try to retain ownership of those bushels a little bit, just because we think that there is still more upside to this, but at $10 cash beans, that's profitable. Mm-hmm. That that works well. Um, you know, when you look at uh, the acreage battle that we talked about last time, Jim, I think that still is out there. I think that's a real possibility this spring. the The corn to bean ratio right now, just before this meeting started, I think we I calculated at two point five nine. That's that heavily favors soybeans. Oh yeah, for the for new crop. I mean, big time. So corn is gonna have to buy some acres mm-hmm. somehow you know, and you've got December corn trading right underneath 420 here today with November beans knocking on the door at 1090. Um, and if this bean market continues to move, corn, again, is gonna it's going to follow along. Um, when that corn really comes to life and, and gets exciting, that's, I think, is when the the battle for the acres is going to have to ensue because we're at a 2.9 or a 2.59 ratio. If it goes to 2.59, Six nine two point seven five two 2.75, two point. I mean, if that continues to rise, it just is going to make it harder for, uh, the, the corn guys to sit back and say, wow, I should plant a lot of corn mm-hmm. at those levels. It just, it doesn't make sense, you know? So something has to change there. And, and I, I do think corn has some potential, but it just is going to be a little bit slower. Like we talked at the beginning, a little bit slower than the soybeans will.
1: Exactly. Exactly. I mean, it's a dynamic system between corn and beans, and how those acres work. I mean, we could see yes. local basis playing a really big role in dictating what local acres look like.
0: Hundred percent agree with that. Yep. And they're still watching, still watching those spreads. The the July versus November soybean spread. I think last we talked, we were. Boy, I think we were right around a dollar ten, somewhere dollar fifteen, maybe dollar twenty. I think today it traded a dollar fifty-seven on that on that spread. So it's going to continue to rally. I think Uh, there's should be a fair amount of optimism in that as it continues to go forward. And I'm going to use that and recommend others use that as kind of a, a barometer to watch. If that starts rolling over. And, and falling apart, then the game could be over. You know, mm-hmm. this rally could be over for a little while. So just continue to watch that spread.
1: Yeah, yeah. So I think if I if I could kind of summarize everything right now, you know, with the January 12th report from the USDA coming out, as well as the WASDE report, you know, we could see a, a slight reduction in overall production. It may not necessarily go that way, but that's where the trend seems to be pointing and so what that could ultimately do is cause some pretty good movements in the, uh, in the market overall, especially for beans, as beans tend to uh, be moving a lot more than corn uh, is at the moment. And so what farmers can do at the moment is look at any bushels they have in the bin and potentially uh, if those bushels are unsold – put a put on them so that they can protect their bottom, and then look for ability, any opportunities they have to cover that spread and, and capture some of the upside that may be coming. Uh, you know, At the same time, if things have already been uh, sold or marketed already, you know, there are opportunities to, it may be a little bit expensive, but to capture some of the upside and some additional profitability. What the farmer really needs to do is, is look at their own individual profitability, decide if they want to participate in this market swing or not, but then also be looking into their 2021 crop and getting an understanding of how much should they market today right off the combine, You know, how much should they hold in the bin for, for a longer period, and ultimately decide what acres make the most sense given the current corn-to-soybean ratio.
0: That sounds like a great summary, Rob. That was a great, great
1: summary. Perfect. Well, hey, Bob, thank you so much for uh, coming and joining us again on the episode.
0: Yeah, Jim, I appreciate the opportunity. Thank you, sir.
1: Thank you. As always, be sure to tune in on the 1st and 15th of every month for new episodes. And until then, stay field ready.
0: Thanks for tuning in to this episode of the Rob Seaco Field Ready Podcast. Join us next time to be field ready.